Hey friend and welcome. This is Brittany Dixon with Courageous Radiance Podcast. I am so thankful that you are here, that I get to be either in your earbuds while you're washing dishes, maybe you're folding some laundry. I don't know if you're a multitasker like me, or maybe you're driving and I am in your car speakers wherever I am in your life at this very moment. Thank you for bringing me along, and I am grateful for you. You are here in sitting at the kitchen table with me. I've got my cup of coffee that I'm sipping on, and y'all, we're going to journey back into the book of Esther. Today on the podcast, we are talking through Esther 5 and 6. You can catch the prior chapters if you access the blog at CourageousRadiance.com. Uh, for your review or just to hear for the very first time, because where we're going to pick up where I'm going to read now is this getting ready, this impending turn of time. Isn't God, only God can do it. Isn't God so amazing how he can take times of trouble and mourning and distress and just overall pain in our life? And not just gloss over it, not just throw it in the back seat and just say, well, you know what, you'll, you'll move on and, and, and we're going to keep moving forward and pretending that what was painful or what loss you had doesn't matter. No, no, no. However, he still can repurpose it. It is still for his glory and he can change our mourning in to songs and praise and hymns. And in Isaiah 61, uh, verse 3, it talks about this. It's this disparity. It's this mourning going on. And God says to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees, planted by the Lord to glorify him. Friend, I'm so glad that you're here. We are reading the book of Esther. And today we're going to be in Esther 5 as well as 6. But let me just first just say who and what Courageous Radiance is. So Courageous Radiance is a place where we women get anchored into into Christ, into God. And through our anchorage, through this growth and development, this pruning off of who we used to be, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about, and transforming our lives to look more like Christ, Romans um, Romans 12.2, uh, all of these pieces are going to work together for our better selves. There's a better you. Did you know that God has a better version of you and it looks more like Christ and mirrors Christ? So that um, growth process is not necessarily an easy one. It is a refining process, um, but it's a good one. And I am really passionate about this anchorage for you. So this is a space for resources, for um, Bible studying together, walking through this together, where we can truly say that we are working on our better selves. Because, you know, you watch commercials and you listen to all these ads and you kind of wonder, is it really going to be worthwhile for me? Um, this workout plan, this diet, maybe, maybe I have a hormonal imbalance and um, the same workout plan, the same diet doesn't affect me like it does the next person or the next person or the next person. But this Bible, 
it's not only timeless, it is for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what you got going on in your life. I love the 100% guarantee that as long as we are positioned in God, in Christ, that there is a better story for us. And that's what I want for you. So that's what this podcast is. That's what the blog is. Um, head to the blog, CourageousRadiance.com. Get subscribed. There are free resources that come to you every single month. Um, there's going to be freebies, just giveaways, and there's an ebook. Yay. If you're married, go ahead and raise your hand safely if you're driving. Uh, there's an ebook coming, a devotional praying for our husbands, praying for our marriage in dry places. So part of my testimony is being in a very fruitless Um, a very bad marriage for a very long time. And God healed us individually. He repurposed us collectively. And now we want to share this from the mountaintops in terms of what happens through a surrendered heart, through a surrendered life, even in dry places. So that's essentially what this 30-day devotional is. It is um, for really, I mean, even if there's a marriage that is in a happy place, listen, God's word, again, is timeless. I mean, it can be applied in any season. So that's my little spiel. Let's hop in. So where we um, finished off last week was in Esther 4. And remember this whole setup. So Mordecai, her elder cousin, um, along with other Jews in the kingdom, in King Azarias' kingdom, were in mourning. They were in despair because this time was going to be coming. It was around March or April equivalent of our March and April and leading up until what would be the equivalent of our December, um, they knew their time was coming. Their death sentence was coming for a mass extinction for the Jewish population. And Mordecai is like, listen, okay, I know I told you to hide your ethnicity. It's time. Rise up. Use your position for God's glory. Plead um, on our behalf um, in front of the king. And Esther kind of was like, I can't, I won't. And then eventually she surrenders and does it. So where that leads us is Esther now, she asks that Mordecai, as well as as many of those people in Susa that he can plead to fast with her, her and her servants, and any as many people who can hear this, fast for her strength and empowerment to trust the Lord in this courageous venture. Y'all. The things that God does within our lives individually and and even just the the gross broad stroke um, discipleship commandment from Christ in, in Matthew 28 takes courage. Sometimes it is so nerve wracking to go talk to that neighbor or to you know, tap that person on the shoulder at Kroger. Well, maybe not tap the shoulder post COVID, you know, six feet distance, but, you know, kind of like be like, hey, you know. Listen for a second. Quick question. Do you know the Lord um, or that coworker or wh- whoever and wherever that God is burning in your heart? You know how you just kind of get those flutters and you feel a little bit like, oh, I don't really know if I can. I don't know if I'm really qualified, et cetera. It takes courage, right? It takes courage to stand up for what you believe in. But I love Isaiah 61, 3 that talks about this turning of, of mourning and ashes and despair to beauty for ashes to now psalms and hymns and rejoicing and how God essentially filled our crevices. He fills our gaps. And it doesn't necessarily make the, those losses 
not a loss and it doesn't make things just go away. But God is like, even in spite of that loss, even in spite of this loss of this loved one who can't ever come back on this side of heaven, even though I completely changed your plans and you had to die to yourself metaphorically, even though, even in this health disparity, even in facing death with this diagnosis, even with this rebellion, re- rebelling child, this failing marriage, God is like, I am going to do a switcheroo. I am going to change things around. If you are planted, if you are planted in God. So that's Isaiah 61, three. And it, and it, and it says, I, I wrote here, um, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. And immediately I thought about planted. We did this um, uh, June, this planted series in Psalm, Psalm one. And I want to go ahead and read Psalm one, verse three. It says, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. You know, that, that piece bears its fruit in its season. It makes me think about, you know, the God didn't need us to pre-plan anything. God didn't need us to come and strive and help him along. This was already planned pre-season. Like it says in its season. So there is a season coming where the fruit will grow without you striving and sweating and feeling like you need to aid God. He's got it in its season and its uh, leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I love that Psalm. So that was Psalm 1, verse 3. The blog. So blog, CourageousRatings.com. There are show notes, podcast show notes, um, as well as the blog. And you'll be able to access um, all of the scriptures that I'm saying here. So get subscribed, free resources. I would love to connect with you also on Instagram at CourageousRatings.com, as well as there's a Facebook group. Facebook group, Courageous Radiance. I would love for you to join and stay connected, deep dive into the Bible, just being able to have a a support of other anchored women who are in the thick of this journey called life together. So first question, you know, I like to ask some questions. I actually have two today Then I'm gonna go ahead and just ask it first. Um, The first question is, what are you planting and how do you feed that seed? The second question is going to be who counsels us directly or indirectly? What do we build our lives from? So that question will make sense in a moment. But this first one, let's let's tackle this first one. What are you planting? It's kind of a two for one. And how do you feed that seed? So I marked in my Bible. Do you have your Bible? Get your Bible. I read She's Truth. Um, I use the She Reads Truth Bible. Um, as well as my old study Bible, which is an NIV. Um, but if you have your Bible app, what are you using? Uh, we need God's word. Joshua 1, 8. Yeah. 1, 8 says that we are to meditate on it day and night. Like nobody has to tell me to eat. It's, you know, I'm just going to eat. Nobody has to tell me to drink water. Like, so this needs to be our nourishment. This, this, we need to be chewing in God's word. But I marked in my Bible um, Galatians, uh, six, I just want to read real quick, uh, starting in verse seven, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever person sows. He will also reap 
because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Let us not get tired. Let us not grow weary. I wonder how, you know, the mindset state of Mordecai, the Jewish people at this time, you know, and I mean, fresh from exile, still exiled, many of them hadn't even returned back to Jerusalem and still living away from their homeland. And now they're like, oh, here we go again. You know, first we were exiled. Now (laughs) we're going to be killed. Like, seriously lower this this is what it this is what happened i mean maybe i don't know what that looks like for you like god i am fasting <laughs> i am reading my bible i am going to church i am tithing over and above i am doing all of the things god how why where all the wh questions where are you at and we kind of get to this place where at the end of ourselves i actually journaled this a couple weeks ago for myself that I need to stay at the end of myself because I'll get to the end of myself very regularly. And from that point, it's like God takes over, but then I get back up and start taking back over again. It's like, Brittany, stay down, stay down, surrender. Um, But I digress. But I thought of Mordecai versus Haman. So this picture of what we just read in Galatians six verses seven through 10, Mordecai versus Haman. So Haman, remember from the um, prior week, his name came up. He is the second man in charge to King Azarias. And he does not like Jews. He hates Jews. He, his background is from King Agag, who is a Malachite. And this is from Genesis, like the beginning of time that the Amalekites and the Israelites have always been in battle and war and they're arch enemies of each other. God tried to take them jokers out. Through King Saul, Saul's disobedience downstream leads us to where we are today. So Haman, Amalekite versus Mordecai, Israelite. Here we go again. This is like head on. So, but is it though? This is the the piece about about Galatians uh, reading that verse I loved. How in verse seven says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. It's like, even though you think you're really getting over on people, even though that teacher didn't see you cheat on that test, even though that person didn't see you steal, or even though, you know, no one's going to know that you cheated on your taxes. No one's going to know that you uh, popped off at your husband. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. God knows. So this is where we need to do the right thing because it's the right thing all of the time is what we tell our kids. And I tell even myself, my whole self, Brittany, do the right thing because it's the right thing all of the time. Because my right standing is so important. I don't want to compromise right standingness all for clout or all for status or all to have the great Instagram picture and the Instagram video and all the rest of that. No, I want to be right standing with the Lord because that's whom I'm going to face at the end of my life. Um, So our faithfulness, I wrote rewards, uh, rewards more than when our faithlessness kills us. So This reward of Mordecai being a faithful man is there is a reward coming. 
And likewise, Haman, who has been faithless and who has been evil, there is a even worse off fate coming, 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 coming. Even though you'd be like, Lord, but when? Okay, that's, you need to stay in your lane. That's between God and them. Like you're not God, right? Um, so this word of favor, we talked about this last week and it just keeps popping up. This is where even though God's name is not mentioned, what he does, the essence of who he is, keeps showing up. So starting in verse two, this is chapter five, verse two. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. Okay, back up. So she's over here kind of like really scared about approaching this king about this request to, hey, by the way, I'm Jewish. Sorry for not telling you that. And B, can you save us? Because we're all about to die. Duty, oh, duty. That's kind of what, you know, my layman's terms. But um, there's this whole law, this whole hurdle of that you can't just go up to the king and just request his presence. It is against the law. And if he is not in a good mood, then if he don't extend that scepter, then, you know, almost like the queen of hearts off with your heads. You remember that off with your heads. So you don't really know. It's kind of like a coin toss. So there's a good coin toss that she ain't going to make it out of there with a head. And there's a coin toss that she could, but in verse two, God had already softened his heart already. It says, let's read it again. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she gained, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter. Ding, ding, ding. That's what we needed in his hand toward Esther. And she approached and touched the tip of his, of his scepter. I wrote God providentially. Here's that same word. Keep showing up. Providentially softened his heart. If you have ever joined journeyed through the, um, the life of Moses and Pharaoh and freeing of, you know, of the Israelites from, from 400 years of bondage. Remember that hardening and softening God has the capability to do that. Um, and then there's unspoken favor here in verse three. Um, what, what is it queen Esther? The King asked, whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be given to you. I would have said Dunkin' Donuts for a lifetime, but, um, unspoken favor by God, unspoken. Um, God has caused, God has caused his plan to go in motion behind the scenes is what I wrote. Here we go again. So that was verse two, verse three, verse six also has whatever you ask, whatever you want, more favor, unspoken favor. And then verse eight, if this is Esther talking to King, if I have found favor in the eyes of the King, and if it pleases the King to grant my petition and perform my request, may the King and Haman come to the banquet. I will prepare for them tomorrow. I will do what the King has asked. The King is like, Hey, hon, what is it? What's going on? How can I help? You know? And she, all of this build up and it's like, go girl, say it. <laughs> and she don't say it. She's like, no, no, no. Come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and we're going to have another banquet and I'm going to lavish it all up and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow. So I wrote here two question marks and I was like, why tomorrow is what I wrote. Did she get scared? Was God telling her not yet? And I did an arrow. God could be up to something. Question mark. God set up Pharaoh with Moses. That's what I just said before. So you have these verses that talk about this favor, this, this present yet unpresent God behind the scenes, but on the scenes, setting up the scenes, the foundation of the scenes, the whole time. That's our God. That is our God. He is always there. 
Um, man, so I wrote here, what was God up to? I wanted Esther to blurt it out, but maybe God told her not to. We'll never know. Right? Sign scripture. I mean, who knows? Maybe God said, maybe he gave her literally step by step. We know that God is a God of specificity. Okay. He's not an abstract God. Just read Leviticus. <laughs> he has, he, he's very specific. So I don't know if there was a very specific instructions or if she got scared. I don't know. I was just kind of always curious because I'm just extra like that. But, um, but I said, maybe God was up to something. And here's why I think maybe this is my just possibility. I don't know. I don't know. But God, this gave Haman some time to be more foolish, you know, just allow a fool some time and then just more foolishness will come through their foolishness. It just will. It just begets more foolishness. Um, so this gave time for Haman um, to further set up himself and in, in, in a self-destructive way. Um, so his pride, his rage, verses 10 through 13, and uh, relying on unwise counsel in his ear, verse 14. So we're still in chapter five. And again, verses 10 through 13, he's just upset still. So it's kind of a twofold. He's, um, he's both in good spirits. He's so excited about this whole banquet. And I'm the only person that got invited. Like, look at me. I'm just so amazing and so awesome. But he happened to come across Mordecai again. And like, all of a sudden, his, he, he became sour. So he's like, mm, mm, there, there's that Mordecai, you know? So then rage filled him again. And he was angry at this, um, even verse 13, still none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai, the Jew sitting at the King's gate, um, all the time. So anyway, so he goes home, you know, tells his wife how amazing this banquet was and how amazing he is and just all the things, all the things. And I get to have another banquet tomorrow, mm -mm -mm -mm, all the things. And uh, that Mordecai. So he's just like, so angry, so disgusted with, the Jews with Mordecai and verse, verse 14, y'all, this is, so this leads back to that second question I had already read. Who counsels us directly or indirectly? What do we build our lives from? Because there's people in our lives. If you think of your close five and then, you know, then, then the next span out would be the next 10, uh, the total of 10. So the next five, so you've got a, a inner circle of five and you got an outer circle of another five. So 10 people, who are those people? I need you to make a list for you and you need to assess what does their relationship with the Lord look like and not Bible study attendance only, not church attendance, not that they say they're a Christian on their taxes, not that they love the Lord. Great things. However, how do they live? Do they have a disciple's heart, a disciple's heart? So in this podcast, it's adding value because we are called Matthew 28 to make disciples and I've been discipled. Um, by an amazing woman. And God used her very greatly in my life to transform my walk. And I now disciple other people. This is, this is the, this is the gospel. This is exactly what Jesus calls for, for us to be discipled, get in, and then to beget more disciples. And in the life of a disciple, that's not something that's like, oh, I'm just being discipled for like 18 months or 12 or 12 months. Discipleship is a lifestyle. That's something that's a lifestyle of learning and wanting and desiring God in and through your whole life. So when you think of those people in your circle, man, you're going to start going off course if those people are not living 
in alignment, being transformed daily, dying daily to look like Christ, not perfection. That's not, that's not, I mean, who can be perfect, but Christ. So not perfection, but pursuing Christ, a heart's pursuit of, you know, I fall, I get up, Lord, help me turn my way, repentance, that type of lifestyle. Because listen, this nut, he set up these people. So his wife and his friends, they literally were like egging him on. This is Haman. And they're like, you know what? Go ahead and build a 75 foot gallows, you know, for Mordecai. He'll die there. You know, we'll get rid of him. Just don't worry about him. Mordecai, like trying to, they literally were planning Ask the king in the morning, this is verse 14, to hang Mordecai on it. So literally, this was their device. They devised this plan, this amazing plan for how to get rid of Mordecai. And, you know, I just, I wrote here, our pride and unwise counsel digs our pits. So sometimes we don't even need the enemy. (laughs) Just get a foolish person around you in your ear. Like, what water are you drinking from? If we start to assess the water, you know, take some type of bacterial litmus and really see what is floating in that water that you're drinking. Are you drinking water that is truly allowing you to walk in honor of God? Because we will get stuck in our limitedness or in other people's limitations because we're limited. We need a bigger, we need God. We need, we need God to be able to step outside of our foolishness. We cannot rely on the wisdom of people and people should not be relying on wisdom either. Like I, I would literally, I, I can, don't make this be my truth. Like I want to encourage you to read this truth for yourself. What is God saying to you? Where is God leading you through this Bible? It needs to be alignment. It can't be like, well, God told me that a picket white fence. No, let's line it up with scripture. So these people who were feeding Mordecai were feeding him some, some unwise advice. And God, in all of his majesty and glory, used all of that foolishness, Haman and his wife and his friends, for Haman's setup of his destruction. So yeah, I just wrote, what water are we drinking from? Where where are we being fed and who who are those people that are feeding into our lives? Because if we get a group of friends who are all success driven, more than likely you're probably going to be, that's going to be your focus. If you get friends who are all about, um, you know, driving up at McDonald's and eating there three days a week, you probably going to be somewhere in that drive up line, right? So, I mean, let's make this as unproductive to even something productive. Like we can make good things bad and good things idols. You know, if, if I had, there was a season where my marriage for a long season where my marriage was my idol. Um, I have to currently present day, just full vulnerability and transparency, have to really assess my heart that my children don't become an idol. So, man, again, whether it's something bad or something good, we have to be really careful about who it is that is feeding into our heart. Um, So I wrote here, um, if those people, if it's not surrender and submission to God, if those people are not saying God needs to be first, if the Bible is not the final authority, it cannot be, well, they said, well, maybe, and if the Bible is not the final authority, um, Psalm 1-1, unwise counsel. 
Proverbs 16, 8, pride is a lead up for our destruction and for death. And then also Romans 6, 23, all sin, all sin, not like half of it, not a quarter of it, all sin leads to death. Um, if we live detached and sinful lives. So Haman's counsel, not good counsel. They helped him to build the device that is supposedly supposed to hang Mordecai and, and kill him and get rid of this whole problem. And that's not what it ended up being used for. I mean, I'm sorry to kind of give a spoiler alert yet. That one will be coming next week, but that's not how that, that gallows is going to be used. So death that physical, emotional, that's physical, emotional, spiritual death. So think that when Romans 6.23 is saying that all sin leads to death, metaphorically, so metaphorically speaking, this spiritual death, this can be in a, like an eternal separation. This can be um, just an emotional, like, yes, you are saved by grace through faith and you're going to heaven, but man, on earth, you are fruitless and you have no peace and you have no joy and you have no self-control and no, no faithfulness. Just when you think about all of the spirits, the, the fruits of the spirit, you ain't walking in any of them. So great that you're going to heaven. I mean, gosh, that's, that's the goal. But here on earth, you did no work for the kingdom and you yourself are hanging on by thread. Like how is going around anxious? This is me talking to myself a, a few years ago when I really had a tough time and God led me for quite some time, lots of studies being done with my anxiety. And God was like, that's when Isaiah 26, three and four actually became some of my life verses of just my anxiety. So it doesn't matter that, okay, yes, I'm doing these things for God. If my peace is robbed, like where's the foundation of our peace? So y'all, this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal because we could totally get this wrong or we can totally get it right from an eternal standpoint and an alignment with God, but get it wrong in terms of walking in fruitfulness of where God wants us to be. So this death and destruction is coming. It's pending. It's loading. And Mordecai still has no idea if he's going to live or die, the fate of his people. He has faith though. He has a faith that knows that God is going to do something. Actually, I liked it in verse five or in chapter five before. Um, I loved it how Mordecai, you know, even with no solution in sight yet for Mordecai and his people, Mordecai is like, I'm still not resolving. I'm, I am still not going to bow down to this guy. I am still, I listen, I am going to go in peace knowing that God is going to handle him in the situation. So that's that just shows that Mordecai is still resolved to walk in faith and not grow weary, as we read in Galatians 6.10. So last point is our truth and everything that we build from needs to be like that tree that we talked about at the beginning, that tree planted by streams of water or in Isaiah um, 6, 61 verse three, planted by the Lord to glorify him. So in our lives, in all that we do, in our hearts, living as if John 10, 10 makes sense. Jesus says that he came to give us life. So we get to be these strong, sturdy, 
built on on the rock foundation, Matthew 7, and not in sand. So regardless of the waves that are coming, regardless of the trials that you might be walking through, regardless of the stresses that, that might be just causing you to go get Tylenol every four or six hours, regardless of the temporary season, regardless of the verdict that is standing in front of you, friend, can I just encourage you for a second that God has a plan and he is still working behind the scenes because as we see in, in, in chapter six, um, Mordecai is going to be honored by the king. God and all of his majesty is still working behind the scenes and he wakes up the king, King Azarias through the night and finds that there was this unhonored deed towards who he later found was Mordecai. These Mordecai heard of a plot that two people were going to try to kill King Azarias and it was documented about Mordecai, but he was never honored. So the king calls in Haman because he heard somebody was in the court, called in Haman and said, and Haman in all his pride thought that the king was talking about honoring him, meaning Haman. And the king was saying, hey, what do we need to do to honor the person who is faithful to me, who is all about me? And, and Haman thought that he was talking about him. That's what he said. He thought that he, um, and this is in verse six, Haman entered and the king asked, him what should be done for the man the king wants to honor. Haman thought to himself, who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Pride. Pride goes before destruction, as we read in Proverbs 16, 18. You know, and the tables have now turned, and this is going to be where we're going to set up for next week. But the tables turned because King Azarias is like, great, you know, so Haman gives this whole long spiel of what should be done to honor who he thought was going to be him, but it was actually Mordecai. And King's like, great, go ahead and grab, grab Mordecai. Go, go get Mordecai. Do that for him. <gasps> what? <laughs> I, I wrote here in my, in my Bible, I wonder what Haman's face looked like. Can you imagine, like, you got this whole, like, just talk about rug from underneath you. This person who you are mortified by, you just built 75-foot gallows, gallows for to hang him. The king is like, go get him. We're going to honor him. Go, go. Go ahead and do it. And that's where it leaves off is he's honoring Mordecai. Um, man, tables are turned, right? But he and all of his pride still don't get it. He still thinks that Mordecai, he's like, well, hold on. Actually, I'll go ahead and honor him because remember, he's a Jew. And this edict, this law that the king made by way of me, because I had the king's signet ring, is going to eliminate every Jew. So you know what? I'll go ahead and honor him for today because I know tomorrow's coming. I know that the month of Adar is coming and it's going to be the end of Mordecai, even in all that honor. So he still has, I wrote, false relief and false hope. But for Mordecai, man, already God is showing, just stay planted, just remain. So friend to you, stay planted, remain in God, remain in his word. And friend, I tell you, tables were turned. I don't know when, I really don't know how. It might not be in your lifetime. Remember last week, we talked about downstream legacy. It might be in the lifetime of your kids. It could be in your grandkids, but friend, your safest place to be is always 
under the shelter of God. I pray that this time has been edifying, that it has encouraged you. Please share this to at least one other person. I want to pray and I'll see y'all here next week. God, thank you so much for your great word. God, just thank you so much for all that we can learn and, and just honor you with Jesus. I pray that our lives be um, mantles for you, God. Just please be honored in all that we do. Help us, God, guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friend.